ಪಾರ್ಥಯ ಪ್ರತಿಬೋಧಿ ಭಗವತ ನಾರಾಯಣ ಸ್ವಯಂ ವ್ಯಾಸೇನಗ್ರಸಿ ಪುರಾಣ ಮುನಿ ಮಧ್ಯೆ ಮಹಾಭಾರತ ಅದ್ವೈತಮೃತವರ್ಷಿಣಿ ಭಗವತಿ ಅಷ್ಟಾದಶಾಧ್ಯಾಯಿ ಅಂಬತ್ವಾಮನುಸಂದಿ ಭಗವದ್ಗೀತೆಷಿಣಿ ಯಂ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮವರುಣೇಂದ್ರರುದ್ರಮರುತ ಸ್ತುನ್ವಂತಿ ದಿವ್ಯೈಸ್ತವೈ ವೇದೈಸ್ಸಾಂಗಪದಕ್ರಮೋಪನಿಷದೈ ಗಾಯಂತಿ ಯಂ ಸಾಮಗಾ ಧ್ಯಾನವಸ್ಥಿತಗತೇನ ಮನಸ ಪಶ್ಯಂತಿ ಯೋಗಿನ ಯಸ್ಯಾಂತನ್ನುರಾಸುರಗಣ ದೇವಾಯತಸ್ಮೈ ನಮಃ ಧ್ಯಾತೋ ವಿಷಯಾನ್ ಪುಂಸಃ ಸಂಗಸ್ತೇಷು ಉಪಜಾಯತೆ ಸಂಗಾತ್ ಸಂಜಾಯತೆ ಕಾಮ ಕಾಮಾತ್ ಕ್ರೋಧೋ ವಿಜಾಯತೆ ಯಸ್ಟಡೇ ವಿ ಡಿಸ್ಕಸ್ಡ್ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಶೋಸಸ್ ವಾಟ್ ವಿ ಮೇ ಕಾಲ್ ಎ ಲ್ಯಾಡರ್ ಆಫ್ ಫಾಲ್ ಹೌ ವಿಷಯ ವಿಷಯ ಧ್ಯಾನ ಒನ್ ಇಸ್ ಡ್ವೆಲಿಂಗ್ ಅಪಾನ್ ದ ಸೆನ್ಸ್ ಆಬ್ಜೆಕ್ಟ್ಸ್ ಹೌ ಫ್ರಮ್ ದ ಡ್ವೆಲಿಂಗ್ ಅರೈಸಸ್ ಸಂಗ ಹೈನ್ ಅಟ್ಯಾಚ್ಮೆಂಟ್ ಲೈಕಿಂಗ್ ಫಾರ್ ದಿ ಆಬ್ಜೆಕ್ಟ್ಸ್ ಸಂಗಾತ್ ಸಂಜಾಯದ ಕಾಮ ಹೌ ಹೌ ಫ್ರಮ್ ದ ಜನರಲ್ ಲೈಕಿಂಗ್ arises a strong desire or a craving to possess and enjoy that object kamat krodh krodho vijayate and from that craving arises anger when that craving is not fulfilled and even the craving is fulfilled what happens is the craving grows that's the the plight of an ordinary person that when the person's desire is fulfilled when i gain something that i want then the want only grows in intensity if i if that want is further fulfilled well again it will grow in further intensity like pouring butter in the fire and so when ultimately that craving is not fulfilled when some obstacle comes there is going to be an anger on the same intensity of that craving itself krodhat bhavati sammohah from anger arises sammoha a delusion meaning mind becomes deluded totally perturbed disturbed ಸಮೋಹಾತ್ ಸ್ಮೃತಿ ವಿಭ್ರಹ ದ ಕ್ಲಾರಿಟಿ ಇಸ್ ಗಾನ್ ಸ್ಮೃತಿ ವಿಭ್ರಹ ವಿಭ್ರಮಃ ಅಂಡ್ ಸ್ಮೃತಿ ಮೀನಿಂಗ್ ವಾಟ್ ಎವರ್ ವಿಸ್ಡಮ್ ಐ ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ವಾಟ್ ಎವರ್ ನಾಲೆಜ್ ಐ ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ಔರ್ ವಾಟ್ ಎವರ್ ಸೆನ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ಡಿಸ್ಕ್ರಿಮಿನೇಷನ್ ಐ ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ವಿಚ್ ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ಗೈನ್ ಎಸ್ ಎ ರಿಸಲ್ಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಮೈ ಪಾಸ್ಟ್ ಎಜುಕೇಶನ್ ಟ್ರೈನಿಂಗ್ ಅಪ್ಬ್ರಿಂಗಿಂಗ್ ವಾಟ್ ಎವರ್ ವಿಚ್ ನಾರ್ಮಲಿ ಶುಡ್ ಬಿ ಅವೈಲೇಬಲ್ ಟು ಮೀ ಫಾರ್ ರಿಸ್ಪಾಂಡಿಂಗ್ ಟು ಡಿಫ್ರೆಂಟ್ ಸಿಚುವೇಶನ್ಸ್ ವೆನ್ ಮೈ ಮೈಂಡ್ ಗೆಟ್ಸ್ ಡಿಲಿವಿಡೆಡ್ that very knowledge of the wisdom is not available smriti bhramshat buddhinashah and therefore that discriminative sense which should guide the various decisions that i am making different situations that very discrimination is not available buddhinashat pranashyati and therefore the ability of the intellect to be able to discriminate between the right and wrong is lost pranashyati and therefore the action that a person performs is not in keeping with the the dignity of the person or the place or not in keeping with the values 
not even in keeping with his human being, that he is a human being, his actions do not even remain what we may classify as human actions. Out of anger, etc., the actions that are performed very often are only violence, inhuman actions. Buddhinashat, pranashati. Thus, the ability of the intellect to decide or to judge what is right and wrong, to discriminate between right and wrong, that very ability gets lost. And that itself is the loss of the person. Because after all, who is a human being? In what way is it different from animals? The basic instincts of the animals and human beings, the four basic instincts are, are similar. Ahara nidra bhayamaitunamcha samanyametat pashubhirnaranam There is a verse in Sanskrit which says <coughs> that these instincts are common between human beings and animals. Ahara, meaning food, so desire, to, that hunger and thirst. Nidra, need for sleep or rest. Bhaya, fear and therefore protection of oneself, self-preservation. And maithunam, the gratification of the senses. Samanyametat pashubhir naranam, this is common between the human beings and animals. So human beings also want food to appease hunger and thirst. They also want to sleep, also want to protect themselves and also wants gratification at the sensuous level. So what distinguishes a human being from an animal? Dharma hitesham adhiko visheshaha. As far as human beings are concerned, it is dharma. Dharma is righteousness. Meaning an action that is performed with the sense of discrimination. What is proper? and what is improper. Karya, akarya, bhaya, abhaya. So what is, what is desirable, what is undesirable, what is proper, what is improper. That dharma, the functioning of human being in accordance with the order, the righteous order or moral order, so that morality or the righteousness alone is something that distinguishes a human being and that is in the intellect of the human being. It is by the intelligence that the person judges what is dharma and what is adharma, what is right and what is wrong. And it is this that distinguishes human beings from the animals. Dharmena hinaha pashubhissamanaha. Those people who are devoid of dharma, devoid of righteousness, pashubhissamanaha, they are only equal to animals. So if a human being gives way to his passions and imposes an acts out of those, then he is no different from an animal. And this is called the ruin of a human being. Not that he dies or gets destroyed in the physical sense, but really what makes him a human being is this discriminative ability in the intellect. And that gets destroyed as a result of this passion and anger. And that is how he no more remains, uh, he no more can be classified as a human being. Although. He is walking on his two legs and everything else, but <coughs> he can't be called a biped or whatever. But what really makes him a human being is no more. That's why it is said, buddhinashat pranashyati. When once buddhi, the discriminative sense is gone, pranashyati, that is the ruin of a person. <coughs> all of this said, just to caution, that's all, not to create fear. Then the question is immediately asked, if, as you say, even dwelling upon the sense objects is going to lead one to such a ruin, 
This whole business started with only dwelling upon the sense object. That's all. And this is very beautifully demonstrated in the famous story of Ramayana. There the story is that Rama, the consort Sita, and his younger brother Lakshmana, these three were exiled into forest. And they were leading, uh, they were living in a hut in a forest. And they were quite happy. <coughs> and then this, this Ravana, the demon, hydra-headed demon Ravana, decided to kidnap Sita because she was so beautiful, whatever. And so he made a plot. He went to his uncle, another demon, whose name is Maricha, and requested this Maricha, his uncle, to cooperate with him. And this Maricha, this demon, became a deer. This is the kind of powers they had, these Rakshasas, the demons had this kind of powers. That they could change their forms and appear as they, as they desire. So this demon Maricha became a golden deer. A very beautiful golden deer with, with jewels and things, you know, shining on the, on the uh, skin. <coughs> and this deer came near the, the hut where Rama, Lakshman and Sita they were. And the deer appeared before Sita, it would appear and disappear. Appear and disappear. Would come and then go away. Not just once, several times, again and again this deer appeared. And Sita saw this, as everyone else also saw. But then uh, Sita said, oh, this is a beautiful deer. Uh, he, she said to her husband Rama, oh, please get me this deer. Rama said, we have never heard of a golden deer. Looks like some kind of magic by these Rakshasas, so don't come under their spell. And I think this is some, there is some, some problem here. Then again the deer came, again went, and this again and again. So this made Sita dwell upon this, this golden deer. So dhyato vishayan pumsa, when you dwell upon an object for a great length of time, sangaste shupajayate arises a love or attachment for that. This is a beautiful deer. And that when it went on, Sangat Sanjayate Kamaha, and there arose a, a strong desire, I want this deer. How nice would it be if you could make a pet, if this deer would be a pet, you know. So please go and catch him alive. And if you cannot catch him alive, doesn't matter. Let us have his skin. And so, I can take that skin with me, we can make garments out of it, or I can take it back to Ayodhya, as a souvenir, whatever. But she was so fascinated by the deer that even though they tried to explain to her that such deer cannot be, she said, no, I must have it. And that is how Rama, the husband, was compelled to chase the deer. That is, That was a plan. Deer wanted this to happen. And as Rama started chasing, he started running farther and farther away. He would, he would just come in the sight of Rama, he would run after him. And all of a sudden disappear and appear again, you know, at a long distance on the top of a hillock. Again Rama would run after him, like that took him at a long distance. And Rama just got, he, he ultimately got tired. So what's happening here? And then he took an arrow and shot at the deer. And the deer died at a long distance. As planned, as this deer died, this was a Rakshasa, a, a demon. He lost all that, that power. He immediately became a Rakshasa as the arrow hit him. 
and he instantly died but before dying as planned he just uttered loudly this cry hey sita hey lakshmana in the voice of rama this this rakshasa cried here in this hut sita and lakshmana heard in the voice of rama the names being loudly uh, uttered and then and sita saw that oh rama seems to be in trouble surely the deer must have been a rakshasa and they seem to attack rama and he seems to be in great trouble so kamat krodho vijayate the desire is not fulfilled and there arises slowly in anger and she tells lakshmana the younger brother of rama please go it seems your elder brother is in great trouble please go and help him the lakshmana says no my elder brother has said that i must remain here and protect him so i will not go and i don't think that you should worry because rama there is no one in the world who can ever harm him so don't worry this also seems to be some trick of this rakshasa so don't worry he tried to console her you know but in no way she was so concerned and she became so angry as, as lakshmana resisted the idea of going behind to help rama she became so angry ultimately she told him all kinds of words and forced him to follow so whatever sense of discrimination krodhat bhavati samoha she behaves in a manner which is not proper samoha smrti vibhramah the delusion and whatever culture is there is gone for the moment and under that spell one acts and the lakshmana also is sent away lakshmana here symbolizes the, the sense of discrimination that also is gone smrta bhramshat buddhinashah buddhinashat pranashati that buddhi the discriminatory sense also is gone and she is alone in this hut and the ravana the demon is waiting for her he comes and kidnaps her. this is a story the sita can be compared to our mind and how mind there one is they compare the objects of the world to the golden deer so as we have discussed any number of times the objects appear to be very fascinating charming offering us happiness security and everything they seem to glitter you know the objects of the world seem to glitter with happiness and security and the mind is naturally attracted towards them and when the buddhi or the intellect argues with the mind so look in the past we have had so many experiences that the objects are all they only are there is only delusion and it's all maya but then the mind runs after them and ultimately gets kidnapped by the ravana is a, the hydra headed demon hydra headed demon the 10 heads stand for the 10 organs five of perception and five of action and it kidnap kidnaps the mind meaning the peace of mind is gone mind runs away into the sense pleasures and thus this is what happens to the person thus one who, may, who comes under the sway of the of the sensuous uh, attractions ultimately that person the ruin is definite for that person this is idea here and as we said this is a process that happens to the human beings and this is described not to create any fear but as a caution that this is what can happen now the next question is if you say that just by dwelling upon the sense objects that such a calamity can come to us then what about even a wise person even wise person also has to even if he does not run after the sense objects 
he does have to remain in contact, minimum contact with the sense objects or the, or the world of objects because he also has to continue his life. And for the sustenance of the life, certain minimum things are needed. And therefore, what will happen to that person also? <clears throat> and so what will happen? So nobody is an exception or what? Is it that whoever comes in contact with the sense objects is necessarily ruined? Is it the idea? What is just described, is it a rule for everyone or not? Then Lord Krishna says, no, there is an exception. And that's why what should, what is the nature of a wise man and therefore what should be the value for a, a seeker of knowledge is then what is said in the verse 64, Ragadvesha Vyukta is to Vishayan Indriya is Charan Atma Vashayar Vidhyatma Prasadam Adhikachati Ragadvesha Vyukta is to Indriya is to means however Ragadvesha Vyukta is to Indriya is when Ragadvesha Raga and Dvesha Raga means attachment Dvesha means aversion so when a person who is devoid of this ragadvesha. So who is a person who is going to invite a ruin by dwelling upon the sense objects when the mind is uh, is polluted by or contaminated by this raga and dvesha. When in the mind there is what we call attachment and aversion, then it is a contact with the sense objects that really leads to what we call this ruin. But if the mind happens to be free from Ragadvesha, then that contact does not do that. Usually, say Shankaracharya, Tat Purasarahi Indriyanam Pravrtihi Swabhaviki. Usually, the activity or the, the actions of an ordinary person are generally motivated by the likes and dislikes, attachments and aversions. I wish to do something that I like. I wish to avoid something that I don't like. I want that which I like, I want to avoid that which I do not like. And therefore the decisions that I make constantly are, are governed by what? Moment to moment I make choices. I, I, I take something, I give up something. There's all these different choices moment to moment that I make. Whether I take orange juice or grape juice, I take cold water or warm water, I take white rice or, or brown rice. I take salad or I take something else. All these different choices we keep on making moment to moment. I go for a walk or I don't go for a walk. I go to class or I don't go to class or whatever it is. I wake up at a given time or I don't wake up. I do a given thing or I don't do. All of this is essentially determined or generally determined by the likes and dislikes in the, the likes and dislikes in my mind. Tat purasrahi Indriyanam pravritti swabhaviki. Usually pravritti, all the activities at the sense level are uh, governed by the likes and dislikes within a person. And therefore, tatrayo mumukshu bhavadi sahatabhyam vimuktaihi. However, one who is a mumukshu, meaning the one who is desirous of moksha or liberation or knowledge or abiding, abiding knowledge, he should know that dislikes and dislikes are, and that is going to be described in the third chapter. Indriyasya, Indriyasya, Ragadvesho, Vyavasthitao. 
ಅಟ್ಯಾಚ್ಮೆಂಟ್ and they will want to avoid those for which it is aversion and therefore the activity of the sense organs is generally governed by attachments and aversions <coughs> then what should we do this is called the prakruti meaning the nature of a person and therefore it is said prakrutim yanti bhutani nigraha kim karishyati usually for people the beings follow their nature nature means is attachments and aversion the attraction and repulsion likes and dislikes this is what really constitutes the main aspect of the nature and usually person's actions and responses are governed by them and choices so first thing lord krishna says tayorna vasham agachet do not come under their spell tau hiyasya paripanthino understand that these likes and dislikes or attachment and aversions paripanthino they are your enemies they are the robbers a robber is the one who robs you away even while you are watching a thief is the one who stealthily comes and takes away without your knowledge but a robber is the one who comes in daylight and he robs away and similarly these likes and dislikes are described not as thieves but as robbers and even as you are watching they they actually ruin you <coughs> ಸ್ಕ್ರಿಪ್ಚರ್ ಇದು ಸಮಾನಿತ್ವಂ ಅದಂಭಿತ್ವಂ ಅಹಿಂಸಾ ಕ್ಷಾಂತಿ ಆರ್ಜವಂ ಆರ್ ಅಹಿಂಸಾ ಸತ್ಯಂ ಅಕ್ರೋಧ ನಾನ್ ವಯಲೆನ್ಸ್ ಟ್ರೂತ್ಫುಲ್ನೆಸ್ ವ್ಯಾಲ್ಯೂಸ್ ದ ಸ್ಕ್ರಿಪ್ಚರ್ಸ್ ಟೀಚರ್ಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ದ ಡ್ಯೂಟಿ ದ ಟೀಚರ್ಸ್ ಸೊ ಮೇ ಅವರ್ ಆಕ್ಷನ್ಸ್ ಇನ್ ಚಾಯ್ಸ್ ಇಸ್ ಬಿ ಗವರ್ನ್ ಬೈ ದಿಸ್ ವ್ಯಾಲ್ಯೂಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ನಾಟ್ ಬೈ ಅವರ್ ಲೈಕ್ಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಡಿಸ್ಲೈಕ್ಸ್ ಇಫ್ ಅವರ್ ಲೈಕ್ಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಡಿಸ್ಲೈಕ್ಸ್ ಆರ್ ಇನ್ ಕೀಪಿಂಗ್ ವಿತ್ ದ ವ್ಯಾಲ್ಯೂಸ್ ಫೈನ್ ಯು ಆರ್ ವೆರಿ ಲಕ್ಕಿ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ದಟ್ಸ್ ವಾಟ್ ವಿ ವಾಂಟ್ but if at a given point in time you find that my likes and dislikes are contrary to accepted values all the values enjoined by the scriptures then i set aside my likes and dislikes and i do what is proper to do according to the values <coughs> and this is how in course of time we become free from the spell or free from the control of these likes and dislikes so lord krishna says do not deliver yourself in the hands of likes and dislikes so he said tatrayo mumukshur bhavati and never here yah mumukshu bhavati one who is a mumukshu one who is desirous of moksha tabhyam vyuktehi shrotradibhi indriyehi he should make his sense organs make his mind free from the raga and dvesha 
And that is not a something to be accomplished in one day or one night. It is a, a, a long time pursuit and for which there was what we call Karma Yoga. Karma Yoga is performance of action with the attitude of yoga. While performing action also, I do not let my likes and dislikes govern the choice of action, but I let the values and the scriptural injunctions, they let them govern the choice of actions. And again, while responding to different situations, I do not respond according to my likes and dislikes. There again, I look upon the situation as something created by God. And thus, I respond to them, as we said, with prasada buddhi, meaning as, as a blessing of God. And thus, even though things may be unfavorable, I just do not reject because something is unfavorable. Or I do not embrace just because something appears to be favorable. Unfavorable and favorable, all the situations are accepted as prasada of the God without reaction to them. <coughs> Thus in course of time, one becomes free from dislikes and dislikes. Or our likes and dislikes slowly and slowly get molded in accordance with the likes and dislikes of the scriptures. Scriptures also give us likes and dislikes. So satyam vada, may you speak truth. That means, may you have a liking for the truth. Satyameva jayate nanrutam, the falsehood never wins. So may you have a dislike for falsehood. Himsam nakuryat, do not hurt anybody. So may you not have a liking, may you have a dislike for violence. Dharmam chara, may you follow dharma, meaning may you have a like for dharma or righteousness. The scriptures also create in us what we call likes and dislikes. But those likes and dislikes are in keeping with what we call the order or the harmony that obtains. And when we make them our likes and dislikes, our life also becomes harmonious. And ultimately, of course, we even grow out of those likes and dislikes. Our present likes and dislikes are transformed to the likes and dislikes of the scriptures. When we get prasada madhigachati, and that's how one gets prasada. Prasada means this svachata or serenity, the mind becomes prasannam, meaning mind becomes serene. So what makes a mind dull or what makes a mind disturbed uh, is this, this dirt of raga and dvesha or likes and dislikes which are responsible for all the various reactions. And therefore whether it is anger or whether it is resentment or whether it is jealousy or variety of reactions that we find in ourselves Generally speaking, we can trace them to some kind of a like or dislike or some attachment or aversion. <clears throat> Thus, when we constantly work with it, that means one has to be quite alert, one has to constantly be aware of one's own reactions, of one's own responses, and constantly scrutinize them. And see whether they are in keeping with the values. If they are not, then what is the source? Where are the likes and dislikes involved? What notions or complexes are involved? And this is how we constantly keep on resolving. And that's how mind becomes slowly and slowly serene, quieter, abiding, pure. Prasada madhigachadi. And this person discovers prasada, meaning prasannata, a cheerfulness or an inner joy one discovers. Thus it is these ragadveshas that actually the likes and dislikes that disturb the pool of the mind or that pollute or make it muddy. And therefore the surface is not evident to us. 
But as the pool becomes clearer and clearer and quieter and quieter, then the beauty of what is there on the surface also becomes evident. And so at the moment they are only clouding and even distorting the beauty and the, the joy of the self. When the mind becomes impurer, then the joy or the ananda of the self also becomes evident and thus one discovers joy within oneself. And this is how the wise man is found to be happy because his mind is clean, is devoid of these reactions and therefore happiness which is the nature of the self is something that is effortlessly experienced by him. <coughs> so ragadvesha vyuktaihi indriyehi vishayancharan when one context sense objects which are necessary, avarjaniyan, unavoidable. Nobody says that you go around, you know, and keep on uh, indulging into sense pleasures. Nobody says that. But to the extent that you have to contact the sense objects, all right, contact or uh, get involved only in those sense objects which are unavoidable. Meaning, minimum, which is required for the sustenance of the body or sustenance of your life. Other than that, of course, nobody ever recommends that you have to deliberately go out and, and create trouble for you. But you have to have certain contact with the world, certain contact with the objects of the world, but that contact also should be with a mind that is devoid of likes and dislikes. In which case, the contact with the sense objects will not create or will not initiate that ladder of fall. If there are attractions and aversions within, then a contact with the object will definitely create a reaction. And it will create in me a, a desire to acquire them or desire to avoid them. And then not fulfill, unfulfillment of desire will definitely create an anger. And then all the rest of the things. But when the raga dveshas are not there, then the contact with the sense objects will not create any craving in me. And therefore, that will be what we call a healthy contact then I have the freedom whether to, to, to acquire an object or not, whether to enjoy it or not, whether to contact it or not. Then I have the freedom. That's the difference there. So when ragadveshas are there, I do not have the freedom. Then the objects determine whether there will be a desire in my mind or not. Kamayeshaha, krodayeshaha. This is also described in the third chapter. Indriyani manobuddhi that this karma or the desire or the ragadveshas are in the sense organs, in the mind and in the intellect, in all the places. And that's how they delude this person. They justify even the things which he should not have been doing. He himself finds himself justifying things that are not proper or that are not in keeping with the accepted values. That's what the ragadveshas do. And therefore they govern my my behavior, my responses, my reactions, when Raghadveshas are not there, then I am in control of the situations. So it is said, Atma Vashyaihi. When likes and dislikes are not there, the sense organs are Atma Vashyaihi. They are within the control of oneself. Otherwise, I am in the control of them. There Swami Dayan used to give a very beautiful example. Of this is my neighbor, who is a dog. Swami I used to observe. She used to go take her dog for a walk in the morning. In the beginning, this lady used to take the dog for a walk. After a few minutes, it is the dog which used, took the lady for a walk. In the beginning, the dog follows. 
And later on the dog starts running. Have you seen this? And the fellow runs and ultimately this woman is dragged after him. So in the beginning I think that I am controlling my sense organs. Later on it's sense organs who control me. I think that I am controlling the mind. Soon enough it is the mind that starts controlling me. This is the thing. And that is when Ragadveshas are there. But however, when Ragadveshas are not there, then I find that the sense organs are also in my... Con- atma Vashyehi Vidhe Atma. Who is this person? His Atma or Yantahkaranam. The mind also is such that it is available to him. And so, it is at disposal. When the Ragadveshas are not there, we find that mind also is at our disposal and the sense organs are in our control. So this is how the Vedantins seek to control the sense organs in the mind. Not so much by disciplining them. Nothing wrong in disciplining them. But you cannot go too far by disciplining the sense organs in the mind, by restraining them. So they don't, Vedantins do not like restraint. Mano nigraha, chitta vritti nirodha, yogas chitta vritti nirodha, the restraint of the chitta vritti. That's not very desirable here. But what they wish to do is to master the sense organs and master the mind. And then the, the question is, what is it that makes this mind out of my control? How come I, I do not have control over my mind? Or how come I do not have the mastery over my sense organs? So let us eliminate the reason that makes them beyond my control or while. <clears throat> and the reason is, I identified here as Raga and Dvesha. So we see the cause. Why is the mind restless? Accepting the restlessness of the mind, you try to restrain. That is one thing. But what makes the mind restless? What makes the mind distracted? The false values that the mind has. The false fascination it has for the objects. The mind itself superimposes uh, a charm, you know, or attractiveness upon the sense objects and then wants it. If the mind is objective, if the mind has discrimination, then it finds. The sense object is fine as it is, but the attractiveness of the charm that I see is something that is imposed by me. Because if some, there was some inherent charm in a sense object, then everybody should want it. Only some fellow wants it, some other fellow doesn't want the very same thing. So what one sees as a charming or attractive thing, someone else finds it quite the opposite. That's the reason why what one wants to require is, is the same thing that someone else wants to get rid of. And that shows therefore that we have our own subjective or a personal outlook as far as the world is concerned. That we superimpose attractiveness and repulsiveness upon the world. And then, and then respond to the world with a reaction of attraction or repulsion. And then we want something or want to get rid of something. So, when we work with the cause, therefore it arises from what we call aviveka or non-discrimination. Not knowing the true nature of the world, not knowing the true nature of the self. So dwell upon that. May you dwell upon the nature of the self. You have taken for granted that you are so and so, that you are an ego, that you are an, imper- you know, you are an unhappy person or whatever it is. Is it true? The various conclusions that I have about myself, do I have a valid reason to accept them as valid conclusions? I've just taken things for granted. I've taken for granted as to who I am. I've taken for granted what the nature of the world is without really having scrutinized the basis of my conclusions. 
and says, Vedanta asks us and directs our attention to these very fundamental assumptions about life, very fundamental conclusions about life, about ourselves as well as about the world. And thus we will find so many projections constantly we are making. We are making projections upon our own self, we are making projections upon the world also. And that's what creates the likes and dislikes. Even likes and dislikes have a cause. And that is what we call aviveka or non-discrimination. And what causes non-discrimination? This projection, which arises from ignorance. So ignorance, avidya, not knowing the true nature of the self, not knowing the true nature of non-self. That brings about adhyaropa or projection. Looking upon the non-self as a self and looking upon self as an incomplete being. And that's avidya asmita, as Yoga Shastra says. Avidya is the first one. Asmita, the sense of individuality. So taking the body as a self. Taking the self as mortal, as ignorant, as, as perishable. From that raga, dvesha, abhinivesha. Raga is attraction, dvesha is repulsion, abhinivesha, fear. So this is called pancha klesha. These are the called klesha in the Yoga Shastra. And thus the source of all of this ultimately is in ignorance. <coughs> and thus Vedanta all the time focuses our attention on ignorance. And Abhiveka, the non-discrimination arising from ignorance. Constantly our attention is focused there again and again. And so we keep resolving the cause, then the effects will go. As long as the cause remains, the effect will not go. You try to work with your mind, you try to work with your sense organs without understanding the cause as to what makes the mind what it is or what makes the sense organs what they are, we are not going to be successful, uh, you know, in any great measure. So, ragadvesha vyuktaihi, with the sense organs, meaning the mind, which is now free from ragadvesha, when one contacts the world, fine, that is what we call a healthy contact. I don't have any subjective projection, I am an objective person, is able to look upon the world and have a proper estimate of the things as they are. No more, no less. It is not that we have to reject the world or we look down upon it or nothing like that. Neither you embrace it nor do you reject it. Just you look at, see things as they are or for what they are. <coughs> That's just knowing the right place and the right degree of reality of the things is, is what is meant here. So, atma vasyai indriyai vidheya atma vidheya atma antahakaranam yasya soyam vidheya atma One whose mind is obedient or one whose mind is at one's disposal. Not again a slave, not that we enslave the mind. Mind becomes, mind should be made a friend as Lord Krishna says in the sixth chapter. The mind alone can be our friend and the mind alone can be our enemy also. Which mind is friend? The mind that is free from these reactions is a friend. Mind that is under the spell of reactions becomes our own enemy. And so wise man is the person whose mind is under control. Mind is friend. Sense organs are also well organized, obedient, under control. And when he goes around the world and contacts the world, his perception of the world is not vitiated by or distorted by the likes and dislikes, 
but he is an objective perception. Never does not come under the spell of false attachments and attractions. And therefore, the contact with the objects then is, does not lead to the difficulties that were described in the earlier two chapters. And thus, prasadam adhigachyati, one attains prasadam, prasadah prasannata. Prasannata means serenity. Like the, the water of a lake, which is serene. When the water is clean or pure and undisturbed, the surface is undisturbed, that surface of the water called swachya or prasanna. And so also in the pool of the mind, when there is no dirt or mud of dislikes and dislikes, and there is no waviness of the distraction, the restlessness of the mind. Thus, when the mind is clean as well as abiding, such a mind is called prasannam, meaning a serene mind. And that reflects the beauty. Somebody said beautifully that when the lake of the mind is devoid of the dirt of likes and dislikes and the restlessness of distractions, then the heavens above get very beautifully reflected. The heavens above get reflected in the water when the water is serene. And so also when the mind becomes serene, it reflects the beauty. of the self. <clears throat> and therefore, one should try to make the mind serene, meaning make it free from the effects of likes and dislikes. And that will also require, as I said, submitting the mind to the commands or the values of the scriptures. And also exposing the mind to the teaching, making the mind see the realities of life and thus making it free from these superimpositions. Prasadesati kimsyat. Alright. Suppose you enjoy the serenity of the mind, then what do you achieve by that? Iti uchyate. Because suppose your mind is serene. So what? Does it mean that you become free from, there are still, there can be all kinds of pains and, uh, and uh, suffering in life. How about all of those? And in verse 65, Lord Krishna answers that, Prasade sarvadukhanam haanirasya upajayate prasanna chetaso. Prasade sadi, when this mind attains that prasada, prasada means that serenity or purity or cheerfulness. Asya yatehe for this yati, yati means for this man of self-control or for this person of an abiding mind. Sarvadukhanam hanihi upajayate. He says all the dukkha, all the pains and the suffering comes to an end. What kind of dukkhas are there? What are the sources of pain? Adhyatmikadinam. Three sources of pain are there. The sources arising from one's own being, like the body and the mind. The pain arising from the surrounding. And the pain arising from the cosmic forces, like, I don't know, lightning, and earthquake and stuff like that. So these are the three, three sources of pain. Well, one becomes free from all that pain. This is what Lord Krishna says. <coughs> Why is it so? 
बिकॉज प्रसन्न चेत सोश्याशु बुद्धि बिकॉज प्रसन्न चेतस तो वन उज चेतस ऑफ द माइंड इज प्रसन्नम स्वच्छम क्लीन और प्योर और सरीन वन हुज हार्ट इज बिकम सरीन और प्योर आशु क्विकली बुद्धि परिवतिष्ठते इन द माइंड ऑफ सच ए पर्सन बुद्धि बुद्धि मीन्स नॉलेज वॉट कैंड ऑफ नॉलेज नॉलेज इज ऑफ द नेचर ऑफ द आत्मा द नॉलेज सेल्फ परिवतिष्ठते इट बिकम्स वेरी वेल अबाइडिंग so knowledge of the wisdom becomes abiding only in the mind of a person who enjoys what we call the serene or or a pure mind akashamiva parisamantat avatishthade so buddhi paryotishthade just as a space and like the space also is abiding and so also the mind also becomes abiding buddhi paryotishthade buddhi also can be said to the mind the mind of such a person becomes abiding in short when the mind becomes pure automatically it becomes abiding when the mind is impure we find that mind is distracted so purity means freedom from the raga and dvesha so as we rid our mind of these likes and dislikes and these various reactions automatically it becomes abiding it becomes even free from distractions <coughs> and then the knowledge also becomes abiding atma rupeṇaiva nischali bhavati even the mind also becomes abiding in the self mind also becomes a self because mind also does not retain remain mind also does not remain or does not continue to have any specific form when all the likes and dislikes are gone the moment when the mind is pure and when you are contemplating upon the nature of the self then you find that the mind also abides and becomes one with the self it no more causes now a separation between you and the self so atma rupeṇa nischali bhavati even that buddhi or the mind also becomes abiding as the very self because the ultimate the essence of the mind also is a self what is the truth of the mind truth of the mind also is self because ultimately mind arises what is mind is nothing but the thoughts and thoughts when we analyze really are nothing but the names and forms superimposed upon the awareness and with this likes and this when the mind becomes pure even then it it merges into its true nature which is a self evam prasanna chetasah avasthita buddhehe kartakrattita yatah so shankaracharya remarks that thus since for the one who enjoys that prasanna chetah meaning one who enjoys that that tranquil mind or the serene mind and of course it is not merely the purity of the mind that is the subject matter here when the mind when there is purity of the mind then of course the knowledge becomes clear the teaching of the scripture becomes clear only to the mind which itself is clear if the mind is clouded then whatever we hear also becomes clouded our interpretations of what we hear in the scriptures also becomes clouded when our mind is clouded because whatever we listen to is ultimately going to be filtered by our mind if our mind is already lots of prejudices and and conclusions then whatever we hear even the scriptural teaching also is going to be distorted by our own mind like filtering water through a medium which itself is dirty then the water also will carry that dirt with it 
And similarly also, if the mind has these distortions, then whatever we hear also is going to be distorted. When the mind is undistorted, then the scriptural teaching also becomes very clear. And the person sees the what the scriptures are trying to convey. So the knowledge also can take place in the mind which is serene, and knowledge can abide also in a mind which is serene. Thus, if you want to gain what we call a an abiding mind, a quiet mind, a mind which remains with us under our control or at our disposal, then we should make the mind free from those factors which make it restless, which make it clouded. And these are the likes and dislikes. Tasmad ragadvesha vyuktehi indriyehi shastra aviraddheshu avarjaniyeshu yuktaha samacharayi vakyartaha. The idea is that one who is a mumukshu or one who is a seeker of knowledge, may he contact the objects of the world with the mind which is devoid of likes and dislikes. That means let us learn to separate our personal likes and dislikes and let us learn to see the world in light of the teaching of the scriptures. And then slowly we become free from our own personal projections and this is what one should strive to do so that in course of time one attains a mind that is free from these reactions. That's the idea. <coughs> okay. Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Bhagavanta Punaf Punaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmeti Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shantishantishantihi Hari Om Shri Guru Namaha Hari Om